episode number 734. This is something I've never done before. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to the School of Greatness podcast. I want to share a couple quotes with you to start. Napoleon Hill said something interesting. Strength and growth come only through continuous effort and struggle. Harvey Firestone said, the growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. The growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. What I learned from that is if we are not constantly looking to grow and develop new skills, new ways of being, new ideas, new actions, then we will never reach our highest calling of being a leader in our life, in our relationships, in our health, in our businesses, our careers. So focus on growth. Focus on learning. Figure out a way that you can get yourself out of your comfort zone. As we're getting close to the end of the year, I'm evaluating that myself. I always think about what are the things I'm still afraid of? What are the things that I don't want to do? What are the things that I'm insecure about or embarrassed about or unsure about with myself or don't have the confidence around something? And whatever those things are, I say, okay, the three biggest, scariest things, that's what I need to tackle first. That's what I need to go all in on so that I'm not insecure about them, so I can develop new skills and, and continue to grow. And every time I do that, it's scary at first, it sucks, it's humiliating, all these things. And then I start to get better at those things day in and day out. And over time, I start to master those things. And with mastery comes confidence. And with confidence, you start to attract and manifest what you want more in your life. Whether it's you want to build your business or get a raise at your job or you want to campaign for something new in your life, it comes through being confident and confidence through mastery of skills. Not fake confidence, but actual real confidence because you are sure of yourself. You've done the work. So I really like that about what Harvey Firestone said, and Napoleon Hill said, strength and growth come only through continuous effort and struggle. I don't think you need to look at struggle as a negative thing. You can look at it as, man, this is challenging. You know, I am still in pursuit of playing with the USA men's national handball team. I just got back from Puerto Rico playing with the team. I'm going to Israel and uh, Germany to play in early in January to play uh, another five or six games with them. And training camp is not fun. I wouldn't say it's a struggle. I would say it's just it's not fun at all. It's challenging. It hurts. It's painful. But I try not to focus on it being like a struggle, this hard thing that's where I'm like suffering. It's more of a a choice because I have a higher purpose and a higher calling. So something to think about today as we go into this episode that we've never done before. Uh, I am bringing on some of you. I did a contest uh, a few months back where I had a talk show on Facebook. It was one of the first shows that Facebook did with their Facebook Watch platform. 
And uh, we did a talk show called Inspiring Life with Lewis Howes. Many of you watched it. Many of you shared it. Thank you very much. And you enjoyed a lot of it. And we did a little contest where we said, hey, you share this out. You leave a comment, a couple other things. Uh, you get a chance to have us fly you out to Los Angeles, put you up for a few nights, give you a, a very special greatness goodies bag and some other cool things. And, and we picked five winners. Only one of the people couldn't make it, but we had four of the people come to L.A. for the weekend. We had dinner after the interview. They all got to ask me questions. It was amazing. So Jackie Morey, Julie Richard, Pete Kotzbach, and uh, Amanda Mitchell all flew in from around the world. Again, we put them up. We paid for everything, had them come in. We had a, had a special dinner over at Soho House here in Beverly Hills afterwards, and uh, we got to connect. And in this interview, we talk about how I built my brand and what I recommended if you don't have an audience yet personally on how you can build your brand. We talk about the importance of taking the time to celebrate your wins, especially now as it's the end of the year. Have you celebrated your wins and the victories you've had throughout this year? Or do you constantly just go on to the next thing and the next thing once you do something great and hit a milestone in your life? I try to focus on my wins every single day and every single week, and I'll talk about that. Cover my mindset when it comes to approaching big goals and growing my business. Sometimes when we have big dreams and goals, they can be daunting. So how do we break those down? How do we focus on growing your business when you feel like you've hit a plateau? I'll cover that. And how I approach negative people in my life and online. And I say some probably unpopular things at this part as well but things that support me in my life and I think will support you. So I'm excited about this one. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Take a screenshot and share it with your friends over on Instagram. Tag me, at Lewis Howes, as always, as I try to uh, reply to almost every comment that I can uh, on the DMs over there. So go ahead and share this out and let me know what you think. There's a full video interview at lewishouse.com slash 734 and all the show notes there as well. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT 
costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. All right, my friends. I'm excited about this one. Let me know what you think. All about the making of the School of Greatness podcast and the mindset and discipline to build a brand in business. All right, welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We have a special episode today. We've got winners from around the world who are with us in the studio, part of a contest that we ran. And this is the first time we've had you know, the audience members come in and connect. So I'm excited about this because we've never done this before. So you guys are the first people to be here. Just go ahead and say your first name, where you're from, and we'll go around really quickly. What's your first name, where you're from? Julie, New Brunswick, Canada. Okay. Jackie from Seattle, Washington. Amanda, I'm from Switzerland, but I live in Dubai. Uh, Pete from Redondo Beach. And we had, we had five winners for this contest. This was part of the Inspiring Life talk show on Facebook. We ran a contest to try to get exposure, and we gave a bunch of prizes to people who, who were part of this contest. There was another person who is Kelsey Ruger, who couldn't make it last minute, but just wanted to give a shout out to Kelsey. And um, you guys won a lot of prizes. So first part of the prize was uh, a free trip to LA. So you guys are staying at the Andaz. You guys got a flight from Dubai, from Canada, from Seattle. You drove up, I guess, right? So no point. We didn't helicopter you in. <laughs> and you guys got so you guys got your flight paid for. You got the hotel paid for. Three days, two nights. We also have this this backpack, the bag of greatness, which I'm going to talk about what's in it. And you have all my courses, which is like a year long for Inner Circle, School of Greatness Academy, seven figure webinars, uh, Legacy. That's like a four thousand dollar value right there. Plus, we've got some other stuff I'm going to give you. You got greatness hats. I'm going to give you guys all a bag here later in a little bit. Nomadic planners, you got swag, you got t-shirts, School of Greatness shirts, Chase Your Dream shirts. And in this bag, it's like so heavy. But you've got a nomadic backpack, which is my favorite backpack. And inside, you've got the Yeti mug, which is amazing. I use this for my coffee. Someone got me this as a gift. And um, it's hard to buy gifts for me, I think. It's really hard for me because I don't really care to have anything. I don't like, like things. And I can buy whatever I want. So it's hard to like get something, but this is a really quality gift because I use it all the time. So you got the Yeti, and um, I'm just gonna open it up and share a few of these things. Let's see if I can. <laughs> I got a Yeti as a gift last year, and I can't get away from. I can't it's get really it away good, from right? my wife. Oh really? She's yeah. still. He's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So in the bag, let's see if I can open this. All these goodies, and um, you got all the products that I use for my health. You got all my books. We've got some other journals and there's tons of stuff in here. So I'm going to be letting you to go through all this a little bit later. We've got the swag bag. You've got all these goodies. We're also doing, um, we gave you guys two tickets to the Summit of Greatness this year, or at least one ticket. I'm going to give you guys two preferred seating tickets to next year as well. As an extra bonus that wasn't even announced. We're doing uh, dinner tonight and somewhere special. Um, we're spending some time in the studio. So you guys, this was part of the, and I think there was a few other things, but 
you guys got all this stuff. You got a lot of stuff. So I appreciate you guys being a part of the contest, mm-hmm. sharing it out, and uh, supporting the uh, the show. It's a lot of fun. So we're here now, and I wanted to open it up to you guys. If you guys had any questions about your careers, your businesses, your life, and just let you guys have a couple questions each and kind of see where it goes. So that's what I wanted to do for you guys is let you ask the questions, be on here, talk about anything you might be going through, and um, let people know more about who you are as well. So maybe we'll go around and let you guys do one question each. I'll share my thoughts on it. If someone else wants to jump in, we can do that. This is like an experiment, so we'll see where it goes. But do you have a question you want to start with first? Hmm. So I am starting a podcast. Mm Mm-hmm with Paul and from our inner circle. And I think my question would be, how did you start reaching out to people? So my focus is going to be moms. Like, how did you find, did you just go on a limb and start contacting people you didn't know? Do you want to do an interview show or do you want it to be more about you? I want to celebrate moms. They don't have to be famous. Yeah. But they have to be doing something... Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So you want to do a mom podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first question I'd ask is, why do you want to do the podcast? Because when I became a mom, you forget that you're a person besides that. And that's what I want to bring out into, into women. They kind of forget that they have this whole other life that they used mm. to have. So I want to inspire other moms to be to follow their dream. Don't, no, forget, no. don't forget your dream. Are you, are you guys moms? I'm a mom. Your mom? Mm-hmm. Your mom? No. <laughs> and sometimes I can't relate. No, but, I know. But I've seen other moms where they get so wrapped up in their kids' lives and they kind of forget their own life, right? Mm-hmm. So and then have, they wake up at 60 and they're like, what happened? Where's my life? Right. Okay, so you want to celebrate moms mm-hmm. and give them a purpose to do what? To follow their dreams. Okay. okay. Whatever that may be. How long are you willing to, to do the podcast for? Forever. Really? For a long time? For a okay. long time. So it's something you want to do for a while. It's not just something you want to do. No, no. I want to. And when do you want to launch it? We're working on next month. Next month? Mm-hmm. What day? <laughs> You're being very specific. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't talk to Paul yet. Okay. All right. Let's do December 5th. December 5th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, do you want it to be all interviews? Do you want it to be some just your own thoughts? And... No, I think I want to do just interviews. Just interviews? Yeah. Why just interviews? Mm, because I just want that experience. Like, I want to learn from other moms. Mm-hmm. Plus, I want other people to listen and be like, okay, I can do this or whatever. Yeah. When I started out, it was just um, fun connecting with people I already knew. So it was like, okay. who are the people I'm most inspired by? There are friends of mine that would do this. Right. And maybe you have some friends that you've met at Summit of Greatness or in the Inner Circle or like find the communities or the mom groups that you're already a part of. Mm-hmm and find five or 10 moms that you want to interview that you already know yeah. or have some type of connection to. Yeah. That's what I'd start with because a lot of the bigger, well-known moms, I guess, it's going to be harder to get them unless you have something to There's offer. There's no credit, yeah. Yeah, credibility or an audience. Right. Otherwise, why would they do it? Right. But if they're your friend, they're more likely to do it. So I did that early on, just reaching out to people I knew. Luckily, my platform started to build pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think... I was just always reaching out to people and building relationships, right. not knowing where it would lead. And I would ask people if they knew someone who wanted to join or who would be a part of it. I was always looking for people who had something to promote, like a book or a product or 
and, and saying, hey, I want to promote you and help you sell this. So it's like benefiting them more than me was the goal. And so finding that, like timing, like I've been working on some guests that have taken me two, three years to book, but it's just following up every few months until I get them at the right time. So start with what you know now, start with the people you know now and keep working on it. But it's going to take time to get the bigger guests. Unless you want to say, you know, like I've had a guest where I said, listen, I'll buy 500 copies of your book to have you on. If I want them that bad, like I'll Mm -hmm. spend some money. And if it's going to benefit them, they'll do it. But right. even some people, I've offered a lot of money that they, they won't do it. I've offered like 50 grand for a guest one time and they wouldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. Or I was like, I'll make, I'll make a donation to your charity. I'll do this. They I'll buy weren't. thousands of books. Like, Not into they it. just don't care. Right. So I think you got to figure out what you want. But I think starting out with like the everyday mom who's like building a business on the side or doing it or following their dream on right. the side who's like, that's a great place to start. And I think you can get a lot of moms like that. So mm-hmm. That's where I start. Like create a list of the five or ten names that you already know. Yeah. It's already going my yeah. head. <laughs> and then just start reaching out to them and say, hey, I'd love to do like a 30-minute interview, Skype right. or whatever. Because yep. no one's coming up to northern Canada, right? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's a retreat. You could also start with like the, the local moms that are just like inspiring in your city. Yeah. Totally. So that's what I would start with. Mm-hmm. Do you have a schedule of like uh, how often you want to do it? Like um, once a week? Probably once every two weeks. What's the title of the podcast going to be? It's called The Great Mamas. Great Mamas. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's yeah, good. It's good. good. It's cool. Yep. All right. Any other follow-up question on that? No. Okay. Think it's good. It's awesome. good. All right. You got a question? Yes. I Say your name again. My name is Jackie. For the people just listening, yeah. Yes. And I've been doing Facebook Lives. I love Facebook Lives. Because from the video, then I can extract the audio, uh-huh. right? Two for one. All right, and then when I do Facebook Lives, then I can also download the video and put it on YouTube. I started my webcast, or uh, call it a, or like a web show, mm-hmm. and I've done it, season one, I've done five episodes. So I did the last one is last Saturday. <laughs> and the name of the podcast is The Exponential You. And my first season, it was just me. Talking head. My question is, well, I'm, and then I'm going to start season two. I'm scheduling it for another five seasons. It's going to be interviews with people that I know. Anyway, my question, Louis, is when did you start doing live events and how do you transition from the podcast mm. to the live events? How did you build up so you could start yeah. doing live events? And you start yeah. or not? Or, I was doing live events nine years ago. Oh. Before the podcast. Oh yeah, I was doing these LinkedIn networking events. I did almost 20 of them in about a year. And I was doing them all around the country and some in other countries. But I was building an audience on LinkedIn. So I was building audiences on LinkedIn and promoting those every single week mm. to these different events. These were like three to four hour like networking events. But we were getting 300 to 500 people to show up. And I was charging like five, 10, 15 bucks to the door. And I would get sponsors and, you know, get a commission from the food and bar, like the uh, the restaurants we were at. So in terms of the podcast, I waited three years to do like a conference. But I did a book tour first, and then I did uh, the Summit of Greatness, and it took me a few years. But I think it's hard to get a lot of people to come to one place. Right. If it's not like a smaller event, a smaller price event in a city, it's hard to get people to come to a destination. The Summit of Greatness. You came to the Summit. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Even though I have the massive audience, 
you know, we had 1,500 people show up. I was hoping for more. Mm-hmm. But if I did a, an event in Columbus, Ohio for locals that was like five to 10 bucks, it'd be easier to get a lot more people. That's right. So I think it just depends. You know, we don't want to make money on the event, the big event that we do. It's like a break even, but it's a way for me to give back to the community, to meet more people and to add value. So I think it just depends why you want to do events because it's a lot of work, a lot of energy, and not a lot of like money unless you're able to price it in a premium mm-hmm. and monetize it that way. But it took a couple of years for me to, to want to launch it. And then every year it's building. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but I mean, some people are making a lot of money. Like Rachel Hollis, who's a friend of mine, she sold out her event, so like 3,500 3, seats in 27 minutes. <laughs> That's the rise, no? The rise, yeah. Rise, yeah. yeah, 27 minutes, she sold out like 3,500, 3,500 seats at like premium price points. But I think um, her audience is all moms. It's very dedicated. It's like, she's like a bottle rocker right now where they're just like adding so much value to people, her and her husband, Dave. So some people are making a lot of money on events and it makes sense when your audience is ready for it. But if I was just starting out, I would start doing local events in my city. That's what I would do right now. If you just started a podcast or a small show online, I would start doing like local networking meetups and try to get like 30 people at the first one and then 50 and just build it and do it once a month. And then eventually you're going to build a name in your community, in your city, and you can start expanding it. That's how I would uh, approach it. Because I think, well, I think events are powerful. And that's how I built my brand early on was doing these events and going around the country and hosting them. They got, they just got so hard for me because I was just like, man, I'm not making that much money. It was a couple grand that I was making. And it was a lot of energy to constantly promote. So it just wasn't scalable for me. That's why I do one big event a year, a year now. It's hard to sell tickets to a live event. That's why I sell tickets at the event for the next year. Mm-hmm. So we sold over 1,100 to next year's event at this year's event. Mm-hmm. Which takes the pressure off of like having to sell. Because so many people have to sell all year round right. to promote their event. Right. And if you're not going to make a lot of money on your event anyways, it's like, man, I could be promoting something else and making money. So that's the challenge. I think starting on a local level is the way to go. Build the, build the network in your community first and be well known there and then you can start to expand it. Fabulous, thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, that's what I do, yeah. Thank you, Yeah. great answer. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all 
already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My question would be more for you, actually. Okay. At what point did you start to consider yourself as successful? Was there ever like a turning point where you were like, okay, this is this is rolling, this is big mm. now? Almost like a like a step one yeah. tick. I feel like um, mentally I've always been like, you know what, even when I had nothing, I was like, I know I'm going to create what I want. I know I'm going to reach what I want. But at the same time, even 10 years ago, but even now, I'm like, I still haven't feel like I've scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel very grateful and appreciative of everything I've created. Yeah. And I have access to all these amazing people that I get to connect with and uh, ask questions to. And I build businesses with people and stuff like that. And, um, but I still don't feel like I'm making the impact I want to do. So on, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm doing great things. And on the other hand, I feel like I'm not doing anything still. So it's a constant battle between celebrating and appreciating what I'm doing every single day, but also saying, okay, but what can I do tomorrow? Now, I used to always think I'm not doing enough, and I never celebrated my my days. I never celebrated like the big wins or the little wins, and I never felt enough inside. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing what I want, but man, I'm doing so much today, and we like did some amazing things, and We impacted these people's lives and look what we created over here. So I've learned, you know, over the last four or five years to start celebrating more. Is there anything in particular you did for that shift of mindset to be like, I want more and more and more and not appreciating already what you've accomplished? I think I just started to accept who I was. You know, five years ago when I opened up about being sexually abused and like all the other stuff that I was ashamed of, once I started to embrace everything and like heal and, and overcome the shame that I was feeling, then I didn't feel like I had to prove myself to the world anymore. I was like, okay, I'm good with who I am. And that inner peace gave me the, the power to say, all right, what's a new vision as opposed to try, trying to impress people and prove people wrong? What's my vision moving forward? And I learned that people miss out on the fun of life when they stop, when they don't celebrate their their days or anything they accomplish. You know, we set these big goals, at least I have. 
and I'd set these goals for years it would take me to achieve them, and then I'd achieve them and I wouldn't celebrate it. I was like, what's the point of doing this if we're not gonna appreciate what we've been through? And so I think, you know, especially since it's the end of the year right now coming up, it's like really reflecting on your year is important. And I try to reflect on my month, on the quarter, and on every night, I reflect on the day. And when I started incorporating like nightly rituals of acknowledging the work that I'd put in, or even just acknowledging that like, hey, I didn't do much today, but my body needed rest, and I acknowledge myself for taking a break today. That just, enjoy, I just enjoy life more. And I think we're supposed to enjoy, it's not supposed to be like this hard work grind all day long without enjoying it as well. And I think we see that a lot online right now, which is like work hard all day long, hustle, grind, which I'm all for hard work. To achieve high performance, you have to work hard. But if we can't enjoy it, then like, what's the point? We enjoy it when we're 80 and like dying. And we can, you know, it's like, look what I did now. It's like, yeah. let's enjoy every day because we're going to sleep better. We're not going to live in anxiety every single night saying, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. That's anxiety. And we can't create a beautiful thing from fear or anxiety. We can create things, but if we're constantly stressed, it's not going to be as impactful of a thing that we put out. And our energy is going to show up in a stressed out way. And I believe the reason why, one of the reasons why I've been able to create what I'm doing is because I come from a place of joy. And like, why do people come on my show when I didn't have a platform? Because I came from a place of joy and excitement. Like, this is going to be fun. Like, let's, you know, I'm going to help out. I'm going to do whatever I can. It's just like getting people excited. If you don't have a platform, if you don't have an offer, if you don't have an audience, people will do things because you're excited. At least that's my that's my view. And Matt was saying, like, Lewis is enrolling. He said that when he was over here. And I think enrolling is just like being excited about life. And when I'm excited, people like just want to do things. It's very contagious. Right? Yes. Yeah. And when you have a friend who's like, gosh, bro, let's go on this trip together. It's going to be amazing. You're like, all right. Yeah, you know, it's like, it. sure, let's do it. It's the same thing with the way I look at with my, my business and, like, what I'm manifesting. And um, so I'm grateful with everything I've created now, and I'm appreciative, and I, but I don't feel like I've like arrived because I don't think I'm ever going to arrive. It's just like there's always a new level, but also appreciating what I've created. So that's what I think. Yeah, about, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Actually, I was discussing with someone um, about goal setting and things like that, and they were saying how when you set a goal, it actually also makes sense to set the reward that you're going to give yourself yeah. after you achieve mm. that goal. Yeah. So when it gets really hard and you're like, you have doubts and you grind and it's tough, you go like, okay, this is the goal I set for myself. And on top of that, I get to celebrate in this way. And that yeah. actually helps a lot. So Celebrate it, yeah. Because yeah. you deserve it. Putting so much work into things. And so then- much work, so much sacrifice, so much energy. It's like, what's the point? Why would you not celebrate? Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's great. I guess my question would be, uh, how surreal was it? When you started, you were out always asking people for interviews. And now, at what point did it turn for you where people started going... Oh, he's so successful what he does. Yeah. Let me ask him. I mean, the last few years, it's been more and more. I think, like, every day we're getting requests to come on the show. On one end, really nice. Another end, really annoying because it's not the people that I want. Right. You know, it's like everyone's pitching, like, can you interview me? Can you have me on? And I was telling you guys before off camera that, like, I've set a standard for the name of my show, School of Greatness, to constantly find people that are doing more and more interesting things. And there's lots of, with all the podcasts out there, 600,000 plus podcasts, 
There's lots of other shows that just like, let's interview the, the six-figure earner and like tell that inspiring story. There's a lot of other shows like that. That's just not my show. And so I appreciate people reaching out and one out of 30 are someone that I'll choose sure. maybe. Yeah, it's like from the people pitching me. It's like maybe one out of 30, maybe one out of 50. But it started turning over the last two, three years and it's still hard to get guests. You know, I'm doing all the booking myself. So I'm doing all the booking, doing all the interviews. Sometimes we'll do three interviews in a day. And these are hour, hour and a half moments with people where I'm sitting across this table right here, connected, present, listening. It's a lot of energy. So I'll do two, three interviews in a day and then talk with them for 20 minutes before, talk with them for 20, 30 minutes after, build a relationship, ask them how I can help them, ask them what I can do to promote them. Then five o'clock rolls around, and it's not like my emails, nothing came through. It's like all the things that I need to get back to, I start at five o'clock, right? So it's a process, but I've, I've got a couple other people that are helping me book, but really at the end of the day, it comes down to you. You've got to like book these people yourself. So I've been doing that for almost six years from the beginning, and that's what I think the magic comes from also is like, it's, I'm finding the people that I'm very fascinated by. Hopefully one day, I'll be able to book anyone I want. Is it interesting to go from wanting to interview the people you've always wanted yeah. to now want it, people want to interview you? Yeah. Just because you've interviewed all these other people. Yeah, it's interesting. But I think I don't want people to interview me because I've interviewed other people. I want them to interview me because I've done something interesting right. or meaningful or impactful. And that's why... It's important for me to continue to create works of art and meaningful content like writing bigger books that stand for something. That's what I appreciate when, when I have a book out and someone wants to interview me, interview me for that. That's, that's interesting. Instead of just having the yeah. name up there. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you've interviewed all these people, let's have you on. Or because you have a big platform, let's have you on. But it's like when I've written a book, that's when I want to be interviewed. So, yeah, I appreciate it. It's nice. But I'm constantly, I'm always thinking of like, what's the thing that I want to do that'll get other people excited? You know, I'm pursuing my dream of being, I play with the USA handball team. And through my career of playing, of this business over the last 10 years, I've been pursuing my own dreams outside of business, like trying to make the Olympics. I've been on that journey. And so I want people to be like, wow, Lewis is not just building a business. He's doing things that he loves as well in his life. And he's pursuing other passions and other dreams that fulfill him. That is like really hard work behind the scenes that no one sees. Right. And so I'm trying to live my life to where I have no regrets of like, at least I went for this, I went for this, I wrote that book, I did this thing that I like was thinking about. And whether it works out or not, I'm okay with, as long as I at least went for it. What, uh, what failures have you had in business? Well, you know, I learned early on about in sports that we we're supposed to fail. That's how we succeed. So I never looked at it as like, oh, I've failed and I'm a loser. Because it was just like, okay, this was the lesson. The failures were always the, the foundation for success. Because that's where I learned quickly. So coaches wanted us to fail quickly. And it was never like a bad thing. It was a bad thing if we did the same mistake over and over. So if I do the same mistake over and over, then I'm failing. The most interesting people are the ones that take risks. And so I'll, I'll make an example for a failure, I guess. It's something that didn't work out. Was it two years ago? It might have been three years ago. I wanted to launch a magazine. 
called a greatness magazine. And the way I do things, I think about like, what's the thing that's gonna be different in my industry that no one's willing to do? What's the hard thing that people don't wanna do? I wanna do that, right? Mm -hmm. So when everyone was getting away from live events and big you know, annual events, I was like, I'm gonna dive into it. Because mm -hmm. it's not the smart thing to do because you don't make money unless you can like sell out and do this. It's just like, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It takes a year to put together and people wanna do things that are easy right now. They don't wanna work hard. So I was like, I want to launch a magazine because magazines are dying, right? It's like the stupidest thing to think of. But I was like, let me try this and see if we can make something beautiful. Just a digital magazine and make it beautiful. Make it a piece of art that people want to be a part of. And kind of make a, a real-life version of the podcast in a beautiful aesthetic, like beautiful design. And we put together three issues that no one has seen. And we were going to launch it, and then at the time, this was two or three years ago, like iTunes, we were gonna launch it on iTunes, and then the magazine platform like changed, and it became like the news app or something. And I was just like, this is so much work and so much energy. We spent like $60,000 designing these and all of our team for six months. And I was like, you know, I just feel like I'm all for doing like the hard work and taking time, but, but something felt off that I was like, maybe we should just pause this. Like our team wasn't fully invested and I was like, all right, something's off. And um, so we just spent all this time, all this money and nothing launched. Mm -hmm. And it was a good lesson. But I don't look at it as a failure. I look at it as like, all right, maybe it wasn't the right time or maybe we, maybe I wasn't all invested. Like we were trying to do too many things at once. We had a lot of projects happening. And anytime you wanna launch something great, you've gotta put a lot of energy into it and focus on attention. And you got to be willing to be consistent through the challenges. And we just weren't willing to do that, I think. I thought it was going to be a lot easier. And anything great is not that easy. So that was a lesson. But I still have the magazines, and I'm like, maybe we'll, we'll bring it back at some point. Commemorative or something. Yeah, something point. Like, or maybe, you know, I have a, I have a vision. I want to do this. And... I haven't said it publicly, but I want to create like a Greatness 100, like Time Magazine, like 100. Yeah, cool. Do like an annual thing and have like one magazine for the year and just like 100 pages and like one person per page and kind of like create like this, this interesting thing in the industry. So maybe we'll bring it back and make it that, but yeah, we'll see. It's more hidden something. Yeah, else. it's something, you know, something good will come from it. But I, I like doing that and failing because at least I'm trying something new. I'm trying something innovative and risky. And I think the ones that take the biggest risks get the most attention and make the most impact. If there's like a strategy behind it and if there's like thought behind it. We just filmed a documentary that finished a month ago and we, we screened it at the summit. I don't know if you saw it. And I've never done a movie. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done a documentary. I'm like... Any of this stuff, it costs a ton of money to make. I don't know if I'm going to make that money back. But I felt called to try this. I felt called to be like, I want to do this because I have a vision of this being on Netflix. That's the vision. Now, it may or may not work out, right? I have a meeting with them next week. It may or may not work out. But that's the vision that I set, the intention I set when I was creating this. And I have a vision to impact a lot of people who see this, you know, and, and that's, that's my mission but it may or may not be exactly where my vision is, and it may be better in another situation. It may be better if I launch it online myself or have a different partner. Do you find yourself 
when, when, like you have the documentary in your head and you're like, okay, I mean, for me, like you're, you're going to Netflix, okay, if that doesn't work, are you looking at plan B and C? Yeah, of course. Different I mean, distributions. Yeah, afterwards then, I will. Yeah, and there. I'll probably have lots of different, you know, I'm reaching out to all my network right now yeah. about like people who have done movies and I'm like, where should I go? Tell me this, tell me that. So it's like I'm learning as I go. Yeah. For me, every year I want to do something that I've never done before. That's a challenge for me. Like three years ago, when was this? Four years ago, I don't know. It was like writing a book. It was like writing a New York Times bestseller. Then the next year, it was doing a live event, like a big court, like a big annual event. Then it was, uh, you know, the documentary. Then it was, or then it was a different book, The Mask of Masculinity. It was like trying something new in a different space, like writing about masculine vulnerability. No one thought I would do that. You know, it's like doing something that's uncomfortable for me is really important every year. And so next year, I'll start planning, like, what's the thing that's going to scare me? that's uncomfortable, that I can go do, that may bomb. But at least I'm doing something that's like different and interesting. So that's what I think about. Every year I'm thinking about what are we gonna do as a, a team, a business. Is that an annual thing or do you have? Every year, once, yeah, at least once a year. And it's like, what are we gonna do that's different? And that scares us, yeah. But also that could support the vision of the overall brand of impacting 100 million people. So it's gotta make sense in the vision as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to you and the question. Anything open up? Not right now. I'm trying to think. Okay. I have a question. Go ahead. How did you learn the art of Italy where you can actually be so present, mm -hmm. but then know when to ask a question that really hits the core of their gut and yeah. you start to you know, really get emotional and something? I think it's, I mean, I've been doing it for six years on my podcast, but also for about four years prior, I was interviewing people that I wasn't recording and publishing. So I feel like I've been doing this for almost a decade. And even before then, growing up, I just used to ask a lot of questions and, and be observant because growing up, I was really insecure about my level of knowledge. I didn't feel like I was a smart kid in school because I tested very poorly. So I never felt like I had anything interesting to say to my peers. So I would just observe and ask questions. So I think I learned how to do that at an early age to observe. But over the last six years, I think I've learned a lot about the setup of an interview being very important. So before someone even comes into the studio, what's the communication been like with them beforehand? How have I connected with them, whether it be email or as a friend before? And I really set an intention before they come in. And I think about what would be where do I want the energy to go? Like, where do I want this energy to go so that people are impacted when they listen to it, that they have something in their heart that says, well, oh, I felt something and I want to go take a change in my life or, or try something. And I felt something so powerful, I need to share with a few friends. So that's my intention is like everyone that listens to any interview, they feel like they got one thing away that they could apply and it was that meaningful that they wanted to share it. So that my audience shares my message for me. Yeah. So it's not just always the pressure of me promoting something. Then I ask a few questions when the person comes in before we record. Mm. One of them is, is there anything off limits? Mm. So I say, is there anything off limits that you don't want to talk about? And if they say something, then for example, most of the time people, there's nothing off limits for people, but maybe 5% of people, they have stuff they don't want to talk about. 
you know, some people, if they've been through divorce or if they've got some bad breakup or, you know, whatever, they just, politics, it's fine. I'll give an example, though. Chris Guillebeau, who, do you guys know who that is? Chris yeah. Guillebeau? He's a good friend of mine. New York Times bestselling author, great guy. He's got an event called World Domination Summit. He came in and he was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about the death of my, uh, my brother. And his brother, I believe his brother committed suicide, right? His brother committed suicide like six months prior, or maybe it was a year prior, and it really hit him hard. And I said, okay, we don't have to talk about it, but can I ask why you don't want to talk about it? And he started talking more and more about like, you know, I just feel this and this about it, and I feel this and that. And I go, listen, totally respect it. We don't have to talk about it. But I'm letting you know now, if people heard what you just said, they're going to love you that much more. They're going to connect with you. You know, it's going to help your mission of anything we talk about. It's going to help it further. And what if someone else is going through this right now? Like, you might be robbing them of, like, a feeling or of a, a level of connection with you if you don't share it. So I'm not trying to make you wrong or right either way, but I wanted to just, like, let me know. And he goes, you know what? You're right. Let's talk about it. So it's not like I'm trying to make someone like pressure them to, but I'm just trying to find out why. And there's been other people, I won't say who, but there's been other people who are like, no, I just don't want to talk about it. I'm like, okay, that's yeah, fine. So I start with that question. And then I say, after that, I say, okay, do I have permission to go anywhere and everywhere to make this the most impactful interview you've ever done? Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So that people are inspired to move into action and transform their life. And then just kind of sit with that. They're like, oh, we're about to do this. You know, so I, I kind of set that intention of like, do I have permission to ask anything and go anywhere? so that this is the most powerful thing you've ever done. So I kind of let them know, like, I want this to be the most empowering thing you've ever done in your life, this moment. It's not just another interview where you say the same thing like you say everywhere else. This is different. And I think setting that intention personally before they come in, then saying that intention to them, along with building, you know, rapport and just, like, connecting with them about things they're interested in, that allows them to feel a little bit more safer with their guard down. I also feel like I'm very vulnerable with people. Like when they come in, I'm, I'm open and I'm very friendly. You know, when they come in, I just give them a big hug. I give them a big hug, I smile, and I make it about them. It's not about me. 
So I think setting the stage, even if it's a couple minutes, like even with Kobe, we had like two minutes, Kobe Bryant, we had like two minutes before the interview was supposed to start. When he came out, I met him, we're micing things up, and I had two minutes to connect. Because I didn't know if he was going to open up the way he did or not. Did you guys listen to Kobe? Yeah. 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 I had no clue. We were there an hour and a half early. Tiffany and I were there an hour and a half early setting up. Like everything's ready, waiting, right? And we knew we had like 20 minutes, which we like begged to get 40 minutes, which he gave us, which was amazing. And I remember thinking to myself, like, who knows if he's going to be open, if he's going to be like saying the same things that he, you know, maybe he would in other interviews or if he's going to really open up. And I remember I was just like, I'm going to just appreciate and acknowledge him like right when I see him and just set that intention. Ask him if there's anything off limits and, um, and connect. And we made a couple of connections. I remember telling him, I go, listen, I play with the USA handball team and I've heard from so many Olympic friends that say that you're one of the kindest people at the Olympics and you're interested in all these other sports. And they said that you always took time with them and you were just like so caring and like interested in them. And I just wanted to acknowledge you for, for being such a cool guy at the Olympics. And right away he goes, man, you play handball? That's amazing. I played handball growing up in Italy. He's like, it's a huge sport there. Uh-huh. And we just kind of like connected on that. And then we were talking about other people that I had on that are his friends and, mm-hmm. you know, in two minutes. So I think it's just like making it about them. Yeah is the key. So making it about these moms, you know, it's like mm-hmm. really acknowledging them mm-hmm. for doing something that's hard. You know, it's hard to be a freaking mom mm-hmm. and pursue your passion mm-hmm. and like remember your identity yeah. and like unlock your sexuality and like feel this and all this stuff. It's really hard. It's the hardest thing, right? Like yeah. it's, it's amazing. So it's like, acknowledging people. I think the art of acknowledgement has been lost as well. You know what I mean? It's like it's been lost in a big way. So uh, Jay Shetty did a post yesterday. It was either this morning or yesterday on Instagram. It was of uh, the sky with dirt around the outside, mm. looking like looking down from if you were being buried, right? Like six feet in the ground, looking up with like dirt in like a hole, like a coffin hole. He put a post about, like, you know, everyone comes to celebrate you when you're gone. But we forget to celebrate ourselves and other people while we're alive. And I remember when I started this, I was like, I'm going to acknowledge people. And you guys, at the end, I acknowledge people, right? And so I usually acknowledge them in the beginning as well off camera. And I think it's like, it's just a simple thing. We all want to be seen for what we're doing. We all want to be seen and acknowledged. Even if it's just like a quick little thing. It doesn't have to be this. You want to be seen, you know? So So question on that. When you started, did you feel people that you were close to supported you? Not, not I know your family, you've mm-hmm. talked about that. But like I think I struggle with that. It's mm. like and I know you say dream big dreams and they'll laugh at you and it's fine. You need to keep going. But did you feel that support? Um Yeah, I think I felt the support, but I think I've also learned how to find the right people that aren't going to not support me. Like for the last 10 years, I've only surrounded myself with those people and the people that are negative, I just don't hang out with. You let go. Yeah. Or just they're in my life, but I'm not asking them for advice. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to their energy in terms of like what I should or shouldn't do. I'm just very focused. 
and I listen to the people that are doing things that are doing way more bigger things than me, and I get feedback from them. The people that I'm inspired by, I seek them out and I ask them advice. I don't ask advice from people that are like not doing anything. Because if they haven't done it, what are they going to tell me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of friends, like, but I struggled back in, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I left school and went off to play professional football. I had a lot of friends that kind of like stopped talking to me and stopped hanging out with me and were kind of like negative. Mm -hmm. And I felt very sad because I just wanted my friends to support me to go chase my dreams, but they weren't supportive. It was very hurtful for about a year and a half, two years. I was just like, man, this sucks. We just spent like four years together. We built this incredible bonds. Like all my buddies, I felt like maybe one or two of them supported me. And I think it was more their fear. You know, it's like. It is. Yeah, it's more their fear that I was going to pursue something and that I was inspired by. And they weren't pursuing their thing that they were inspired by. And I think it's, it's just like, you know, it's where people are at. But we can't take it personally. I took it very personally and it hurt me. Mm. But then I learned quickly, I was like, well, like I would call them and they wouldn't call me back. They wouldn't get back to me. And I was like, man, I'm trying to like reach out yeah. and they're not getting back to me. Why is this? But um, I just started finding people that were really supportive mm. and just like believed in me. I was like, all right, let me just hang out with these people as opposed to trying to convince the people who are negative to like believe in me right. and just don't take it personally. Mm. It took me freaking, I don't know, six years to not take things personally while I started my business 10 years ago. I would react to every negative comment online. Every <laughs> negative comment. I would ruminate over it and like comment back and defend myself and be like, you don't know shit. You know, I'd be like so frustrated at people. I was like, you don't know how hard I work. You don't know what I've been up to. Like, how can you critique this one thing that I did? Like, look at the whole picture, you know? And one of my coaches saw this one time. Like he saw a response that I gave to someone where I was like a little passive aggressive and defending myself, but trying to make it nice, but yeah. really but you weren't. <laughs> to see through it, yeah. And he calls me and he was like, called you. he called me, he goes, Lewis, never do this again. Mm. He's like, you're not going to convince these people that are critiquing you to like anything. And it doesn't look good on you. So just, I was like, what do I do? I want to respond. He's like, you either don't respond or you say thank you for your feedback yeah. and you move on. Yeah. That's all you can do. So I learned that like, I'm not going to please everyone. People are going to critique me. Usually the people who are critiquing me are not creating anything. They're not like, because you'll never find an author like write a negative review of another book. You'll never see that. Mm. Absolutely. Because they know how hard it is to put a piece of work out there. The only critics you really see write negative reviews are ones who aren't doing anything in their life. Or at least that. They're not doing that thing. But they want to. They want to, and they're like really critical and this and that, and they'll write something negative or give you a one-star review, and you're like, what is that person doing? You never see a big author write a negative review. If they write a review, they'll send or write a positive review, and they'll email you a positive thing as well, separate. You just have to be have that perspective. Like People that are critiquing you online, offline, usually aren't doing that thing in their life. Mm. And that's okay. You're not going to be able to please everyone. As much as I want five-star reviews on books and podcasts, like, I'm not going to please everyone. Right. So, to get past it. I think you obviously inspire a lot of people. And a lot of people also look up to you. I think all of us here are here for that reason. Who do you look up to? Do you have any mentors? Yeah. Who do you seek advice from? Uh, you know, I look up to a lot of people in different industries. I look up to a lot of athletes. 
you know, the people I've interviewed, Novak Djokovic, Maria Sharapova, you know, those, those individuals I really respect. I look up to friends of mine. You know, I just feel blessed that I have a lot of great friends, like Scooter Braun is a friend who's just doing incredible things in business and music, and he's got a great family life and doing all that. Rob Deerdeck is another friend of mine that I really respect who's just doing amazing things. He's been on the show. But I, you know, I admire and respect The Rock. You know, he's been someone I've wanted to have on for a while. Will Smith, you know, these guys who are, they've set an example of like how to live a life and build a business career. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't want to be like them, I like the model that they've created where they're like grateful, appreciative, and making an impact and doing the things they love and kind to people. And successful. And like successful in their own way, yeah. right? Not saying I need to do what they're doing, but just like their way of being, their energy, their generosity towards humanity while they have, you know, the world in their, they could be jerks, right? But I think at least their persona is that they're very kind people and they're very grateful for what they've created and the results they've gotten. So I, I admire like Will Smith, The Rock. I'm a big fan of those guys. I'm learning from them and all the time anyways, even though I'm not friends with them, so... But, um, I mean, a lot of these people on the wall that I have here, they inspire me every day. I feel, you know, Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler are a great mm-hmm. couple that inspire me. All these people. I, I feel very grateful to have incredible relationships with some of the most inspiring people in the world. And it's like, that's one of the beauties of having a podcast where it's a big show. It's like you get to interview these people. And, and a lot of them I become friends with, mm-hmm. very close with. Not everyone. There's some people I'm, I'm less close with than others, but there's some people you just really connect with. And it's like, I've been, you know, I just had lunch with uh, Sean T this morning before you guys got here. He was on the show about a year ago or something. And uh, he spoke at the Summit of Greatness this year. And it's just like, we've become good friends with a lot of these individuals where it's just been like, it's a great starting point to develop relationships with people that are inspiring. And I can text them or call them or ask questions and lean on them for feedback and advice. So. I'm sure they have that kind of personality where they also want to help. So Absolutely. if you were to reach out and be like, Absolutely. I have a question, I need help with this, they're more than happy to help. Absolutely. It's it's like a you know two-way street. I'm helping as much as I can. And, but I lead with generosity first. I'm like, let me have you on the show and promote whatever you want to promote. So I just focus on giving to them first. It's not about asking or something like that. It's about giving, giving, giving. But yeah, I'm inspired by... The model, I kind of look at like Oprah, I'm very inspired by because she's had an interview show her whole life, right, for a long time. I'm inspired by the impact she's made from that show. I really like The Rock on how he's built his brand around generosity and hard work, right? And I think that's a cool thing. I'm not looking to be an actor in that sense, but I do want to create more inspiring media And so I think it's cool what he's done there. And then I really like what LeBron James has done. Being from Ohio, I really respect the symbol that he has created around his brand and his image. He's building schools for kids in Ohio. He's giving back in a big way. And he's he's just constantly elevating Ohio, where he comes from. He's elevating like his own career. And I just really respect that. It doesn't mean I agree with everything. Everything that all of them say, but I just appreciate the brand and the symbol of inspiration that they've all built. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a symbol for people of inspiration, of like what's possible. 
from where I've come from to where I'm at now, from where I'm at now to where I want to be in the next five to 10 years, I want to continue to be a symbol. And I think as long as I do that, I'm very happy if I'm making an impact from just the way I'm being, the way I'm showing up. And trust me, I make a lot of mistakes and talk to my girlfriend, she'll tell you I'm not perfect. But uh, I'm constantly learning and growing and trying to be better, so. That's cool. I always tell people I, I forgot to take my perfect pill this morning. <laughs> so exactly, mistakes happen. Yeah, that's right. When you've interviewed people, are they always people you wanted to talk to? No. No, not all the time. But I'm pitched a lot by people. And um, sometimes I don't know who they are. And I'll have someone on my team do research and watch a lot of interviews first. And she'll either say yes or no. Like, I think it'll be a good fit. But only like maybe 10% of the people she says yes to, I'll say yes to. So like, then I go and do more research and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm not feeling it. So, but once I say yes to having them on, usually I'm very curious about what they're gonna do or what they're gonna say. Sometimes though, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Or I didn't feel like they opened up in a powerful way. So there's been maybe three or four interviews where I was like, e, I don't know if I should put this out there because I have such a high standard. Yeah, yeah. And I really, like, I'll talk to Tiffany afterwards. I'll be like, I don't think we can put this out. And I feel really bad, but I don't want to let my audience down because if I lose the audience, then they're not going to respect and trust my like, ability to choose the right people that are going to be inspiring and helpful for them. And sometimes people, I feel like people are just too like self-promotionally and I don't know, maybe it's my own thing, but, and so I'm like, I'll say I'm not posting this and then my team will be like, well, let's just like send it to the editor and we'll cut up some stuff and make it shorter and all this stuff. And then the editor will say, actually, that was really good. So I think I'm just like very self-critical and I'm like, mm. it's got to be even better than the previous one. It's got to be like, you know. If every person doesn't cry or open up or do this or do something, I feel like, eh, it was kind of whatever. And then sometimes those interviews are like the most powerful for people. Like I'll put those out there and then people are like, that blew me away, right? I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I know, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I knew it the whole time. Yeah. I, but, I've had the same problem. Really? I, I, I had one podcast interview and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. On my end. On your end. But yeah. people enjoyed it or they got value. Yeah, got a lot of, a lot of downloads. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. This was actually, there was a recent episode actually where I was like, eee, I don't know if I could do this. And then um, I was like, maybe we cut it down to like just 20 minutes and not 50 and clip stuff out. And I think we cut a little bit out. People liked it. So I'm like, all right, it's just me then, you know. Yeah. It's just my fear of like, I just want everything to be great. You know, I want it to be a standard. So on that, because I'm in a similar boat where, when you started on the Skype interviews and all that, obviously the quality, the lighting, everything was not. Yeah, I started on now. like my iPhone and on Skype. Yeah. Yeah. So were you always just like, when can I get to the camera? Can I get lighting? Well, I think I was just, you know, in the first year, I was like, I'm just going to do audio only. And if I can have them in person, cool. Or if it's Skype, cool. I wasn't really like too mindful of it. I just said, I'm going to do this for one year and see where it goes. Right. And if I still like it after a year, then I'll keep doing it. It was never like this, I'm gonna go forever thing. And I wasn't monetizing it the first year. I was just like trying to build, add value to my audience and grow my audience. That's what I wanted to do. I was just trying to reinvent myself at the time because I just sold a company. And as it started picking up and people were like, wow, this is actually like 
helping my life and changing my life. And like, you have no idea what this means to me. I was like, all right, let me invest in this. Let me put more time, more energy. Let me get a couple cameras, lights, like all the thing. We'll like do it in this room. You know, this room is like transformed in multiple different ways. We used to have like this white carpet that was just stained everywhere. It was just like, it was embarrassing to bring people in here. And we try to like clean it every week, but then the stains would come back. It took like a couple of years till we got like nicer carpet. And then you see some of these photos that just had like, the greatness letters up on the wall with like a couple photos in the background. It was just like, this used to be a closet with like clothes hanging in the back of it. Like it was just, it wasn't the most professional thing, yeah. you know? And then we're like, let's invest in this and let's hire a full-time videographer to, to help capture. We just started doing video two and a half years ago. It was just audio before that. So we started, you know, investing in the video equipment, the lights and and as it grew, I realized, like, this is a real thing. This isn't just, like, a side thing to, like, have fun. This is actually the thing. I had other courses and programs and products before. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to, like, do this to add value. But I really need to make money over here. So I'm going to start, like, put more attention on selling these programs. But I realized when I put all my attention on the podcast, like, it helped everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I started really investing. You go to the in, webinars and... Yeah, I started really investing in the quality of the show and, um, you know, having a producer do research and show notes and, like, the, you know, all this stuff. So, yeah. and it's when I kind of flip my mentality, like, this is the thing. The podcast is the way, not just, like, something I need to keep up on the side. Like, I need to invest in this full time. That's when uh, everything just kept evolving and growing. Yeah. That's kind of the chicken or the egg, you know. Yeah, exactly. But you got, I think you got to test it first to see if, like, you're yeah. going to like it. Like, and you got to do it for six months or a year to be like, am I invested I, I, consistently? Think, with all the 600,000-plus podcasts, why would they listen to mine? Right. What's different about it? There's a thousand mom shows. Why, how is mine different? Right. You know, maybe all of them are hour-long interview style. Mine's going to be 15-minute. You know, what's the difference between mine so it's not the same as, like, 20 other shows? I think that's been... Um, I got into it, you know, six years ago before the pod, it was like the second wave of podcasting where 10 years ago, there was like the Joe Rogans of the world and like the tech shows. Then like mine and like a bunch of others got in, you know, six, seven years ago. And then there was a bigger wave three and a half, four years ago with like cereal and then like everyone got in. And so I kind of got lucky with timing where there weren't a lot of like long form interview shows like this at the time. I got in early enough to build a brand and keep evolving it while everyone else has an interview show with entrepreneurs and athletes. Like, there's lots of people doing interview shows. Yeah. And so my uniqueness is that I don't have people on that are on every other show anymore. Like, unless I'm the first. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone's got a book coming out, I'm like, how many other podcasts have you done? Right. Then I can't have you then. Or we need to put ours out a week before. Because if you're going to be on 10 other shows that are similar to mine in size, it's like, why would they want to listen to me? Yeah, right. I want it to be different. It's got to be unique or the first. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% 
7 off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PureLeaf. That's promo code 20PureLeaf for 20% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. Now, if it's someone like, you know, The Rock, and if he's done 10 other shows first, I'm going to still have him on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know. I can say no, though. Yeah, right. But um, that's the way I look at it. It's like, I want to find the people who've never done a podcast. Who do we have on last week? There was someone a couple weeks ago that was their first. Oh, Darren Brown, I think, was the first. This guy was, I've been a fan of. He's got a few Netflix specials. He came on and he was like, this is my first podcast. You know, oh. I'm always finding people. Who else was recently? Mike Holston was his first podcast. So there's all these other people. That I try to find the people that I've never done. I think Jay Balvin, I don't know if he'd done a podcast either, and he's like a huge Latin pop star. David Goggins, well, he did Joe Rogan's about a year ago, but he was the first one in like this year or something. So, you know, Larry King, I don't think Larry King had done a podcast. Sarah Blakely, it was like, she did one other show, which was uh, How I Built This on NPR, and that was her second podcast, but it was like, she hadn't done one in my kind of space. So that's what I'm looking for, is like, who are the people I can introduce to my audience that... They might have seen in like a five-minute interview on like a Tonight Show or something, but they haven't mm. really heard their story. Yeah. yeah, that's what I look for. Again, it's called the School of Greatness, not the School of Average. So that's my <laughs> opportunity and challenge. Yeah. yeah. And I've thought about just doing other shows, like just a business show where I can interview you know anyway. any type of business person from any level, or just a health show where I can interview people who have all sorts of health books and. But I have a standard for this show. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what helps it grow. And that's what helps me attract the best people. Best listeners and the best people to interview. But it's much harder to do. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time of me researching who I want to have on that's different. You know, I'm DMing people all the time to try to get them to come on. Uh, I'm, bidding, I'm going to events just to meet people. Mm. Tons of reschedules. I mean, I've got someone I've been rescheduling for months who keeps having to change it around because they're a big celebrity, and it's like you got to deal with their schedules yeah. if you want them on. Yeah. Mm. It's just like that's the game I'm playing right now. Hopefully, my show gets so big where it's like they all want to come to me because it's just so big that they're like, well, I have to. Go. I have to. Yeah. And well, the publicists will tell them though. You got to be on here, and here's the time, and you can't be late, and you can't schedule it again. It's like, yeah, it's like being on James Corden. It's like you're not. That's always Ellen. leverage, right? Who has the leverage? Yeah, exactly. So. I have a follow-up question yeah. on that. If someone were to look at starting a podcast, it's such a crowded space. Yeah. And obviously, you need to find your niche, but mm -hmm. you also need that niche audience to be big enough that you can have a reach. How do you? Balance it out. Is I mean, it, it even worth starting? Yeah, uh, you know, my girlfriend Jen, she's a she's got a almost a half a million followers on Instagram, and 
she's really smart and really talented in her craft, being a doctor of physical therapy and helping people with mobility. And I've advised her not to do a podcast. I was like, just keep building Instagram and go on other podcasts for now. Like, just go be a guest on another podcast and keep building your attention around your name and build your email list and create content on the channel where most people are at right now, which is Instagram. Now, I encourage her to do like a YouTube show because I think that's going to be better for her to demonstrate things and moving her body. Because it's very visual. It's a visual thing. So I think like that or like an IGTV could be good where it's like a weekly, once a week, like video series. Mm -hmm. But you could also turn it into a podcast later. I just think with it being so crowded, I don't recommend doing a show unless you're going to be doing it for years. Because otherwise, what's the point of launching something for six months and be like, it's too much work. You're not going to make any money unless you're building your audience to buy something from you. You're not going to make sponsorship dollars with a small following. So it's got to be an audience builder for you, a brand builder. And then if you have a product or a service or you're a coach, then you can get clients from that smaller niche audience. And that's you can make a lot of money with just 10,000 listeners a month if they're the right people. But you've got to be very strategic of why you're doing it and that you're going to do it consistently. It's just hard to get millions of downloads. You know, my first year I got 750,000 downloads in the first year, doing it every single week total. We get over a million downloads a week now, right? And that's 750,000 downloads in the whole year, Mm. right? And now it's more than the whole year in one week. It's good to look back and be like, whoa. It's come a long way. Year two was... One and a half million downloads or three million downloads. But that's the thing. Maybe all of those podcasts out there, like how many of them are going to keep grinding for that long that they actually stay? And then, because, you know, eventually some of them will be like, it's too much work. It's too much effort. Too much like work. There's no money. It's no taking money. so much time. Why am I even doing this? Why am I doing it? That's why I was asking you, like, why do you want to do this in the first place? And are you committed to it long term? Now, I do think there's another model, which is like these, like launching a podcast with seasons, like, I'm going to launch this. It's going to be five to ten episodes on a topic. That would be the only other thing I'd recommend. It's like if my girlfriend, Jen, wanted to do it, I'd say do eight to ten episodes, like covering mobility of the body, and you just drop those one a week, and you stop. And you get the feedback on it. Then three months later, you do another series. Maybe you're interviewing eight experts, and you're dropping them. And it's like an evergreen thing. But it's not going to be, like, constantly growing. And it's also not going to take up all your time. Because you can batch these episodes, you can script them out, you can do these things. But it'll be like a destination you can send people to. But it's just hard to keep growing that consistently unless you have a massive audience already, which most people don't have, so or massive distribution. There's so much content out there. Like, why are they going to listen to you? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's why I think it's smart to get very specific about like the mom space, like who, what type of mom we're interviewing. The, the format, that are, how it's different, all these things. So it's so people know, like, oh, I can go to this epi- this podcast. I'm going to get it as different than the other mom shows. So that's the way I look at it. How far out do you get, like, uh, your goals? Are you doing, like, a five-year goal? Twelve months. Ten-year? Twelve-month goals. I think uh, so much changes for me. I used to have these bigger, like, year, like five-year goals or whatever, but everything changes so fast right. for me. I know that... It also takes time to develop things. So I'll think about a year-long project. Like, what's going to take a year, maybe a year and a half max to take? My time, like, it's hard for me to be consistent with something for five years. 
Like, be like, okay, this is my five-year goal. I'm going to do this every day for five years. I, like, the podcast was like, I'm going to do this for 12 months once a week and see how I feel. It's been almost six years now. In January, it'll be six years. But I wasn't like, I'm going to do this for six years because that's too daunting for me. But 12 months, I personally, that's how I work. It's like easier for me to see 12 months. Anything can change in a day. And I don't want to be tied to like some goal, but I had this goal for five years. I was going to do it this way. Anything can change. And now I get so many opportunities. One opportunity might be a hundred times better than what I already planned for. And I don't want to say, well, I'm not going to do this opportunity because I planned for this thing for five years of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to turn down some big TV show or something else mm-hmm. from like, but this is what's going to help me get to my vision faster. So I keep it open where I'm like, what are the things I can control, kind of control, like every year? And I can write a book, I can do this documentary, I can do this event, like these things I can control. I can launch this thing. I can launch a course, a program, whatever it may be. I can go on a tour, all this stuff. So I focus on what are the things I want to do in the next 12 months. And I think of three big things. The rest is going to be like, like the podcast growth. I'll think of like, how many downloads by the end of the year do I want it to be? And I know that I need to show up every single week consistently to drop three episodes a week. Like that's a consistent thing that's going to happen no matter what. That's the goal at least. But what are the other three big goals? Like I want to write and launch my next book. I want to sell the documentary. I want to do the, you know, all these things. I think about three big goals. Really, that might be too many for people because that takes a lot of time depending on where you're at. In your, in your life. I've got a team, I've got resources, I've got momentum so I can do two or three bigger goals because I've got that time with a team. If you don't have the team, you might just have one goal. Like my goal is to finish my book in 10 months because it's all me. So I think, I think of three big goals, 12 months, and then I really schedule out the year of dates of when I want to complete things by. So I map out the year and that allows me to reverse engineer everything. It's like creating deadlines and dates to complete things by. Right. If I don't have a date, it's not going to get completed. And it forces me, it creates pressure and accountability with me and my team to know we are doing this by this time. What do we need to do to make it happen every single day, every single week and month to make that happen? And then I empower my team to schedule and structure a project management system of like when I need to do something by, or when they need to do something by, or when I need to get something by someone else by, to move the project forward, the goal forward. Just like your football day. That's it, just like football, that's all it is. Everything's in like a season for me. So a year season, and then every season of the year as well, every three months, you know? And it's just blocking time and executing on it. My challenge has never been like fear of doing something. It's, I've never been like, well, what if someone doesn't buy my book or what if you know like what if it sucks like i've never been afraid of that that's not been my problem problem is just like organizing everything and having the time to execute it all at the highest level and keeping a high standard has that held you back at all always wanting a a high level um no because i'll put stuff out even if it's like 80 90 percent okay still which I don't like, but I'm like, I know I need to do this, otherwise I'll just obsess over this for years and never do anything. Is it, is it sometimes a thing where you know no one else is gonna see it, but every time you look at it, you go, ah, I should've. Yeah, I mean, I look at stuff all the time and I'm like, 
why, I obsess over stuff after it's out. I'm like, why is this thumbnail like this? You know, it's yeah, even like, yeah. why? Yeah. You know, my event, a summit of greatness, there were so many things behind the scenes that were very frustrating to me that maybe you guys didn't see at the event. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But I obsess over behind the scenes and I'm like, why are the monitors on the stage like three inches off <laughs> when it's not centered? Don't you guys know how to center things? And like, like, Stuff like that frustrates me because I believe in experiential design and energy. And if the energy is off on something I'm putting out into the world, it frustrates me because I know it could be a more impactful experience if the design and the energy was done differently. And so I get frustrated about that stuff because I want people to have a good time. I want them to have a great experience. I want them to feel something where they're not distracted by mistakes. Right. They're not like, oh, why is that like light out there? Why is that, the, you know? Because when we're distracted by a mistake, we're not focused on the message. And that pisses me off. And I'm like, we've got the best speakers in the world. We've got this whole experience, but uh, that thing is off and it just took everyone away from it, you know? But I also get to learn how to let go of that as well and know like mistakes are gonna happen and I'm not gonna be perfect all the time. So I feel like I do a good job of it, and I just kind of complain about it afterwards. I'm like, why did we do this? <clears throat> and nobody noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, everyone's going to remember crowd surfing with White Cliff. But it, yeah, exactly. But and, I, and I try to, you know, because there was so much happening backstage. It was kind of chaotic at different times. And I've got another speaker coming in 45 minutes. I've got to mm-hmm. say something. I've got a map. You know, it's like all these moving parts. There's an intro with drummers, and I'm like coordinating all of it with my team. So I might be like, like literally like this backstage, like, what are we doing? You know, why is this happening? And we said this for the whole year, planning this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, lights are on, you know, music's playing, and I've got to walk out on stage yeah. and not show that. And so I just gave myself like a little cue, like every time I crossed the, the curtain, I was like, I'm leaving all this behind, and I'm just bringing the joy to the audience. I'm just walking out with a big smile and open my arms, just like, good to see you guys, when really I was just like frustrated <laughs> like two seconds before. But if I bring that negative energy onto the stage, people are gonna feel it. Whereas years ago, I probably wasn't as good as letting that stuff go. I would just like wear it on my sleeve, ongoing. And it would bleed into the stage or into my speech or into whatever, and it would affect me. So I've learned how to like turn the switch off a lot faster, which I think, Leaders do really well. Like, you know, I can only imagine, well, great leaders do well. I can only imagine like Obama when there was probably a lot of chaos, like in the private rooms before he went and did the press, like so many things happening. Like, what are we doing? You know, it's like, and he has no control. And then he's got to be like put on the face and like show grace and positivity. I still and, remember the, the story about Obama was the night they were going after Osama bin Laden, he had to do the, um, the press dinner. And so like he's at the dinner and everyone's making jokes and mm-hmm. that. And he's thinking we gotta, yeah, we gotta we're, create we're this dating. mission. Yeah. yeah, we're doing the mission to go kill some of the Isn't that crazy? Yeah, while he's joking and people are having fun and he's like And he's gotta be present with people yeah. and connected and also and know what's going on. It's really challenging. Mm-hmm. Same day. Crazy, right? Yeah. So I'm not at that level, but I think I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm just going out on the stage here. We're getting there, we're getting there. But I think it's all been great practice, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what's uh required of like making it to your own next level is like continually shedding like the old energy that keeps you from expanding. So I'm learning that as well, yeah. Can you share with us how you met your girlfriend, Jen, and if you've ever talked about 
having kids. Yeah, sure. We met on Instagram actually about four and a half years ago. I reached out to her. She'll always say that she had a bigger following at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I reached out to her. This was before DMs, and I like left a comment on one of her photos. And I couldn't even see her face on the photo. It was just a handstand that she was doing. And you couldn't see her face. But there was something about her energy that I was just like, this is like a special person. So I left a comment. Yeah, followed up on Facebook Messenger, I think, when I messaged her there and took her out on a date and kind of been together ever since. Marriage and kids, yeah, we talked about certain things. She likes to have privacy on some of that stuff, so I won't really share Hmm. more about that. But um, I'm in a place where I'm just very committed to my vision right now, and that's what I'm excited about. So, yeah, but she's amazing. So everyone should follow her, Doc Jen Fit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I reached out to her, and yeah, she didn't like me the first time she met me. Yeah, I kind of turned her off because I think I was like so intimate like I was so like asking her all these deep questions and like interviewing her you know like (laughs) she was like who are you you know (laughs) so um I think I grew on her over time but yeah it's it's, it's great yeah I have a less personal question sure what are the biggest differences between Lewis's today and you five six years ago hmm that's a good question. You probably have to ask my like friends and family. I don't want their opinion on what yours. It's more about self-awareness mm. and how... I think I um, I can sleep at night better now. Like I used to beat myself up a lot. Okay. A lot about things. I used to take everything... Um, I used to beat myself up about everything probably. If it didn't go the way I planned, I would get very frustrated and take things very personally. I was very defensive yeah, it was, I was like always wanted to fight people that were like the crit- comments critiquing me or saying things to me. That was kind of like just my upbringing, I think. And it wasn't until I started to address and accept myself for everything that happened in my past and start to heal and like mm-hmm. let go of things and forgive myself and forgive other people. That I was like, oh, okay, I can sleep at night. I can breathe. I can, like, I don't have to take anything so seriously. Like if it doesn't work out exactly the way I envisioned it. I think that's helped me a lot, just like be at peace internally. And I think I always like suffered inside and I, and I didn't know, I just felt like this is who I am. Like, I guess people just feel this way. And I didn't know there was a way to move beyond that. I was so focused on results and performance and like winning and being right and proving myself. I was so focused on that five, six years ago that um, I think I missed out on a lot of like just yeah, peace and love and joy, you know. And I would. It took me a long time to get over things. It took me a long time to like let go. And now it's like I can let go of things really fast, which allows me to put that energy back into creation or connection. So that's been a powerful lesson because I think it, it held me back a lot. I think I could have done a lot more in my twenties. But I just held on to so much stuff and uh, yeah, I was fr- angry at stuff, you know. But it's hard to make something meaningful out of anger and fear. And it, you, I would achieve results but still feel left empty or unfulfilled or insecure or not enough or whatever. Like no matter what I achieved, I still didn't feel enough inside. And now I've just learned how to reprogram, I guess, the way I think because I'm appreciating what I'm creating every day. I'm appreciating myself and accepting myself. 
And that's been a powerful lesson. Yeah. Not easy, but it's been powerful, yeah. And I'm constantly learning. You know, it's still, it's not perfect still, but I'm, it's a never ending process at the end of the day. Yeah. Every time I'm trying to elevate my business or whatever, there's new uh, hurdles that I get to learn about how to jump over. Mm-hmm. There's something that's like in the way to get me to the next level, always. But that's also the game of life, the never ending growth of, uh-huh. you know, doing new things and taking on new challenge. With that comes new stuff and you that's have it. to learn how to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. But then you grow and you move on and yeah, life is good. That's it, yeah. But it's just like accepting that it's going to happen and being okay with it, not like being so hurt by it. That's been the biggest lesson. So, yeah. When you go into an interview, you, you have a, 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 a structure. Like I, I see you using your, your notepad yeah. or your iPad, whatever it is. Yep. And like with, when you did with Mike Posner, uh-huh. all of a sudden you got into music and playing the guitar. Yes, and they're playing, yeah. Do you look for the, those things or did, is it just completely spontaneous and it just happens? Or it just goes off the rails where you're When heading? he came in, when he came, was coming in, I was like, it'd be kind of cool to like play something with him. Because I'm, I'm not that great at guitar, but I can like play some like campfire songs or whatever. And I was like, it'd be cool to like play something and hear him sing. I've had a lot of singers come on, but you never know if they're going to be willing to sing. Right. But I always feel like it's going to be powerful if they do. So I set that intention like, hey, if you want to do something, I'd love to hear even like a 10-second yeah. thing. Like Leanne Rimes came in, and I was, um, I was like, man, I'd love to hear her voice because she's so powerful. And I was trying to learn one of her songs beforehand. For hours, I was trying to learn like one of her songs. But for whatever reason, like the chords in her songs that were popular that I knew, they were like some weird chords that I was like, eh, I just don't want to mess this up, right? So I was like, okay. I was like, let me try to learn like a different song that maybe she would want to sing. And I started learning the, uh, what is it called, Shallows, which is the um, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga movie. What's yeah, the movie Stars called? Born. Stars Born, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like this popular song. And I was like, maybe she knows this song. Mm-hmm. And I started like trying to learn it. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty easy to learn. And I was like, maybe we could just sing it like a little duet. You know, I was like, that'd be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I wouldn't sound that good, I was like, maybe I'll just let her sing and I'll play. And um, the opportunity didn't come up right. where I felt right for me to ask, mm-hmm. but I asked her to sing something else. So it's really cool. She did like this chant, this like meditation chant that she'd never done publicly. Mm-hmm. And like her voice was like an angel. You know, I was just like, even though it was like 10, 20 seconds, I was like, this is amazing, you know? So I was like, oh, that was enough for me. I was like, I don't need her to sing a song. Yeah. But um, when Wyclef came in, I just had the guitar here. I didn't say anything, and he came in and just picked up the guitar and starts playing like, what was he playing? Like something, I can't remember what it was, like No Woman, No Cry, or some like Bob Marley song or something, and I was like, this is amazing. I was like, start filming, you know? Yeah, Yeah, so I just think those are cool moments when um, we can do that. Like when a poet comes on, I want them to do a poem, you know, it's just, I want to highlight people's gifts and make something special on the show. So that's what I look for. It's like, what's the way to to make this person look the best they've ever been, to highlight them. Yeah. That's, that's my intention. I want them to feel like, man, that was the best interview I ever did. This little podcast called School of Greatness, like that was the coolest thing. You know, that's what I want from people. I had someone on recently, I won't say who it is, but um, he hadn't done other shows, other podcasts, but he's done lots of huge national and global press, like every major sh- talk show he's been on. And he did the podcast, and he was going on a much bigger podcast, like, the next morning. And um, I was like, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. Like, this person has, 
you know, millions and millions of followers. And it's like a massive show. It's like one of the biggest in the world. I was like, I hope it goes well. And he, he emailed me afterwards and he was like, just between me and you, like, I really enjoyed your show more than this one this morning with like this massive, you know, so I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, who knows? He might've just been saying that, but <laughs> I want people to feel like it was a great experience. And I think the only way that's possible is if I make, if I show how interested in I am in them and not, you know, me talk 5%, them talk 95 and I think there's other shows out there that might be bigger, but the host is more of like the talker. You know, yeah. it's like the Howard Stearns of the world where like he's like running this show, you know. Not a bad way, but it's just like, just, oh, he doesn't. I think when someone is feels that someone is interested in them constantly, that person becomes the most interesting person. You know, if I'm asking you questions, I'm just like, tell me more. Tell me more. I'm just like so fascinated by it. You become the most interesting person in the room when you're interested in other people. And that's been kind of like my secret. I think growing up, I never felt smart. So I would just ask questions as opposed to like say things. So I was like, what I say is not, not interesting compared to like my friends in elementary school. So I just became interested. And people were like, man, I like hanging out with that Lewis guy. Like he doesn't say stupid stuff. And he like asked me <laughs> cool questions and like, He's just so interested in what I'm, what I'm, what I'm about. He likes me, so. He likes me. Like yeah, and that's what it's like. Show that you care and people are going to care back. So it's not rocket science. It's just like being a good person. That's what I try mm. to think about. Mm. I don't try to impress people by being smart. I try to express that I care and build a relationship. It's not like a strategy. It's just like who I am. Did you know that about yourself when you started or is it something you've kind of evolved into? I knew that about myself in high school. I remember in senior year was really the year that got me out of my shell. Because as a freshman through, through junior year, I leaned on my athleticism to get like friends and acceptance. I was like on varsity as a freshman in every sport. So I had like these connections with these like, you know, my, the brothers on my team. But I was always the youngest and still got kind of like made fun of or picked on because I was like the rookie even though I was better than a lot of these like juniors and seniors because of my athletic ability, I was still like the younger guy that they kind of like razzled, but they needed on the team to like be successful too. So I had like this connection and bond with all these athletes on every team. And those were like my friends. Now, when I became a senior, I realized like all my friends were gone because I was always the younger person with older friends. In my senior year, I remember being like, wow, I have no friends. I, I had friends, but I was like, right. all my closest friends are gone to college. Yeah. Like, I remember going from the summer of my junior year to senior year, I was like, huh. Now that I'm not going to be judged by my friends anymore, yeah. I wanted to be friends with lots of people, but you kind of, like the group wanted to just hang out with themselves and, you know, whatever. I was like, now that I'm not going to be judged by my friends and I can do whatever I want, my mission my senior year was to connect with every person in my school that I normally would never connect with. Like weird people, like science people, music people, like art people, like anyone. And that was the greatest gift for me because making that decision and like kind of having my friends leave and being aware of this, I was like, I don't want to just hang out with one group of people like athletes. I want to know lots of people. And I had lots of interests. You know, I sang in choir and I did other stuff. So I told myself this going into this, my senior year, and I only had 330 kids in my school, so it was a small private school. 
But I started connecting with all types of people. I'd just reach out to them and hang out with them. And I was curious about them. From again, I joined, I did a tap dancing class. I was like, I want to do everything that I normally wouldn't do. I did a, a, a like three months of tap dance class, right? <laughs> I was no other like jocks in the tap dance right. class. I joined um, synchronized swimming my senior year. I did a whole three months of synchronized swimming. Again, I was like, what are the things that I would never do? Yeah. I'm mm. doing them. Synchronized swimming. I was in the musical, the school musical, which I was like terrified to perform on stage. I'd never acted in my life. I'd never like, um, you know, done any of that stuff. Done a play, never. And I was like, I, I need to at least try out for this. There's auditions. And I was like, I'm at least going to try out. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to try out for the lead, the lead male role. <laughs> and I was terrified to like sing in front of these people and like audition and like read lines. I had no clue what I was doing. Terrified. But I was like, you know what? At least I'm going to do this and say I tried it. And if I don't get it, I gave it my best. And I got the second lead, right? I got the second lead <laughs> in the school in the musical. Show, yeah. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. We like were doing late nights together, practicing these things. Like I'd never done this stuff. And it was all theater nerds, right? Yeah. And me, this like big jock, yeah. whatever. But I felt like, man, these people are so amazing. And I got to really connect with people that were different than me. I did this in lots of different ways my senior year. I was talking to freshmen, sophomore, and juniors. I was talking to everyone. It didn't matter. I was like, I wanted to know about you. And I think maybe that was partly that my friends were gone. Maybe it was partly that I was like, I felt like I was being more superficial most of my high school and I had more awareness. But I was like, I just want to know more about people. So do you, do you so think was, you got that from your parents? Um, or your brother? My or? dad was pretty good at like connecting with people as well. But I think I had a very eclectic family as well. My older brother is a, a very talented musician. My mm. sisters are singer, songwriter, you know, and I wasn't that. And so I, but I appreciated it growing up. I like would watch them and I was like, I appreciated it. And so I just wanted to meet people. I like hung out in the, the art room and just would see people like paint and draw my senior year. And just like, I just wanted to be a part of things that were different than me. I think that was the, uh, the foundation for realizing that um, we have so many differences and yet we're also alike. Like I started mm-hmm. to really learn about how, I think that's probably that senior year was the foundation for me being able to do what I'm doing because I'm connecting with so many different types of people. It's not just like business leaders or athletes. It's, everybody. it's like spiritual leaders yeah. and men and women and gay, straight, like transgender, all these things. I'm connecting with people from all walks of life and I feel like I can relate to all of them. And I feel like I'm able to bridge the gap between their life to the audi- my audience. Mm. And I think that's, if they ask me, I think that's one of the keys of it being successful, that I can speak to a billionaire and make it resonate to someone who's on their sister's couch. I can speak to an uh, Olympic gold medalist and make it resonate to a high school person or a college person or to a mom of three. Like I can bridge the gap of ideas and I think it's because I've been fascinated by people from a young age. But that, I think that's just what I'm into. That's like my thing, yeah, yeah. that I like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious. I think everyone has something fascinating about their life. I don't know. So It's working out. This is my thing. You know, it's just my <laughs> like thing. Yeah. What's your next book, Lewis, going to be about? Ooh, I just started... 
thinking about this over the last few months. So it's good timing. I just talked to a couple of publishers actually this last week. I don't have a title for it yet, but the theme is about how to eliminate self-doubt. Ooh. Yeah, I think a lot of us are held back from not believing in enough in ourselves. And so we doubt ourselves. Mm-hmm. We doubt ourselves in our relationships, in our careers, our business, our dreams, our goals, you know, whatever it may be, we doubt a lot. Yeah. And I think um, it is the factor that holds us back from at least trying and going after it and putting something out mm-hmm. in our life. It's the thing that holds us back from getting a, out of a toxic relationship. Well, what if I can't find someone else that's going to love me? So I'm just going to stay in this miserable one. It gets mm-hmm. us, holds us back from pursuing a relationship. Well, what if they don't love me? What if they reject me? You know, it holds us back from launching a podcast, a business, whatever it may be, self-doubt. And so if we could eliminate self-doubt and understand the fears that hold us back, I think it would help a lot of people. So my whole mission now for the next book is to help people eliminate self-doubt. Yeah. It's actually a very simple topic. Like, I feel like my last book about masculine vulnerability was more of like a risk to write about that. It's different than the school of greatness. It was like a risk. So I think I almost want to go back to like, okay, let's go back to simple things that that are fears that everyone resonates with. But I haven't started writing. I've just been kind of like writing down notes and talking about it. So what's go what's your biggest thing that you doubt about yourself? For me, it would be at this point in my life, balancing being a wife and a mother and I'm homeschooling my two kids and then also being a coach and then my podcast. So it's really wanting to find the balance of, I don't want to be too out there where I neglect my priorities as a wife and as a mother. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and still I want to make sure that I'm pursuing the destiny that, that I've been created for. So it's really find that balance of, okay, am I focusing too much now on the, the business I'm coaching people, and yet my son wants me to read to him a be book. Be there at night, yeah, yeah. be present. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's those kinds. So what of do you things. doubt? You doubt like you have the time or the energy to do it all, or that if you go after your dream or your business, that you'll be sacrificing your yeah family. I, yeah, and, I'm, I'm doubting where I can find that balance, or if I can you know maintain that balance. And yeah. you know, my husband needs me, and children need me, and. Mm-hmm. Clients need me, you know, that kind of thing. So, do you feel like you have a lack of belief in yourself, though? Or do you feel like you're, you have a strong belief that you can do anything you want? I'm more towards the latter, where I, I believe I can do it. I still don't want to neglect my priorities. So, yeah, I'm going to be a, I mean, I'm, you know, I think my husband tells me I'm a great wife. <laughs> I'm like, it's, I mean, I'm a great mom, you know. What's, um, the, what's the thing that holds you back the most from, from having what you want? Right now, um, it's... It's probably not necessarily doubt, Lewis. It's more than likely some resources because my husband says, you know, when I when I get this promotion, I definitely want to support you and hire a nanny mm. part-time so yeah, that you can yeah. actually work on the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, so those things are a little bit, you know, kind of... Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm cool. sure, I'm sure I, I doubt myself mm. every now and then. Every now and then. So, yeah. That's not your challenge, yeah. It's resources. not... Resources. Qu- yeah, that's it. Cool. Anything else for you guys? Anything else you want to share? questions what's the one question you would have liked us to ask it's a good question i ask that a lot yeah (laughs) um right yeah 
it doesn't matter what I what I want. I want the question I would want you guys to ask is the thing that's going to help you the most. So I don't know. Yeah. We you need to write dinner. yours, so it's fine. You still have dinner. Still have yeah. Dinner, so you can <laughs> ask me anything you want for dinner. Off yeah. That's right. Off camera. I was going to say you need to write your book. That's all we need. You need me to write yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you doubt yourself in any all way? All the time. Or? You do? Mm-hmm. About what? Everything. Like what? Like, small example, I've been in Inner Circle since February, and I've never introduced myself to anybody. So you're part of a group called the Inner Circle. No, no, I, I make connections, but I mean put myself out <laughs> to there. The group, to the whole group. Right. Publicly. You yeah. haven't done like a video like say, hey, this Nothing. is who I am. And no, but I want to. It's in my, like I Why have. Why have you not done it? Because. Um, Where's your phone? Do you have your phone on you? No. <laughs> no, no, we'll do it later. You want to do it right now? No, I'll do it later. We'll do it today. We'll do it today. Okay, good. So but, we'll do it right now. but that's just a Why small... Is your, what are you afraid to do a So I came back from thing. Summit, and I came, I, that was one of my goals. I came back from Summit, powered up, and I was yeah. like, I'm going to do it. Now we're here, and I haven't even... So what, what, what holds you back from... Elite? You know, and this is a small thing. It's just introducing yourself to a, a community of people over video. And it has nothing to do with them... Specifically, it's of course it doesn't. It's layers of self-doubt, like going back to. So when you wrote your book and you talked about all these, it's layers of stuff that you had to unload, and that's what it's. I have layers of yeah of doubt of doubt. Like years. What's the fear if you put your video out there saying this is who I am? Sixty seconds. I'm just introducing myself. What What's the fear that you have around? putting a video out to a group of people just saying, here's who I am. What do I think they're going to say? What that's, your, that's what it is. Your fear or, of what they're going to say. Or think. Or, or what if no one leaves a comment? Or what if people don't like it? Right. That's what you're afraid of? Yeah. What people have, think about you? Yeah. Why are you afraid? And I, I never used to be like that. It just... Why are you afraid of what people think about you? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. When did you not used to be that way? Before I was in grade six. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's okay. a long story. Okay, yeah. We can talk about it off camera. Mm-hmm. But, so you're afraid of people's opinions of you, mm-hmm. judgment. Mm-hmm. So it's really three main fears that cause us to doubt ourselves. Oh, yeah. Fear of success, failure, and judgment. Mm-hmm. Judgment was always my fear. That's why I was very reactive to people. Mm-hmm. Whenever they would critique me, I was like, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It, it didn't hold me back from putting something out there, but it made me very defensive to, to, to want to reply to people. When they... When they did. Yeah. So it didn't hold me back because I wanted to be successful. So I think that's my trigger point is like, I won't react the way you did. You just won't do it. You just well, won't put no, it out there. It's the, yeah. No. You just won't even put yourself out there because you're not willing to receive the judgment. Right. So people are going to judge you either way. They're judging you right no, they're now. Doing, <laughs> they're doing it now. People I know. are judging you by playing the way you're playing or they're going to judge you by playing a different game. Yeah. So you're already being judged. You might as well do something yep. meaningful, right? That's true. You might as well put your show out there. They're going to judge it. But so. it's believing it and it's feeling it. That's the big. What on believing what? What like, they say or what? No, in yourself. Like it's it's one thing to say it in your head, but mm. you have to believe it. What is it you don't believe in? Myself. What, what don't whole... you? Why don't you believe in yourself? Because I've disappointed people, so eventually I started believing that that was You disappointed people by putting something out there. Or just not doing what... They expected. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be disappointing a lot of people for the rest of your life. Oh, for sure. I disappoint people every day. Yeah.
but I focus on who are the people that I can impact mm -hmm. more. Yeah. Okay. Anything else for anyone? We'll talk about it afterwards more. Mm -hmm. No. Good. Any final question? Well, this is uh, this was fun, guys. I appreciate you guys coming on. This is the first time we've had four people on um, live Q and A. So I thank you guys for for one supporting the podcast, for sharing out the Inspiring Life show, and for for being you know part of the community. It means a lot to me. So thank you guys. And we can finish with um, we'll finish with you can say your name, your website, your, your Instagram handle if people want to check you guys out. So we'll finish with that. Say, say your name, where you're from again when you first heard about the School of Greatness or me, just so I have some understanding of that, and then your website and your social media. So go ahead. So Julie from New Brunswick, Canada, and I think I started following you maybe two years ago on do, Facebook. Do you remember how you found it or no? Just an ad. I can't remember. Yeah, I know. I can't remember. Okay, cool. You listen to the podcast or no? Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And my Instagram handles the Great Mamas. The Great Mamas. Ooh, I like that. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Awesome. awesome. Don't judge her. <laughs> <laughs> or you can. I just have to take it. You have to take it. <laughs> there you go. Embrace it. Yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> go ahead. I'm Jackie Mori, and I've I started listening to Lewis and watching you on YouTube. I found you on YouTube. Really? Yeah. That's great. I love watching YouTube. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. Yes, and then. When was this? Recently? A while no, ago? three years ago. Oh, why don't we start YouTube? Yeah. 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 <laughs> years cool. ago. And what's right. your uh, site? Okay, uh, JackieMori.com. That's uh, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-O-R-E-Y.com. And on Instagram, I'm at JackieMori1. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. My name is Amanda. I am from Switzerland, but I live in Dubai now. I actually started listening to the podcast when I moved out to Dubai. I started meeting a lot of um, new people. Obviously, it was a new city and a new life. And the people I had in my circle were very kind and very good people that helped me grow. Mm. And they were like listening to podcasts and doing a lot of reading and self-development. And I was like, what, what is going on with these people? What do they do? Like, And then they started saying like, you should listen to this podcast. It's really good. And someone shared a link. And that was it. Wow, that's cool. Do you yes. remember what episode it was or no? No, I can't remember actually because I listened to a lot since then. Oh, so cool. I can't really pinpoint yeah, yeah. which one it was. But I remember it was just like probably was... one of the first podcasts ever I listened to. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I feel cool. really bad saying it because it's only a year and a half ago. <laughs> and where have I been for the past five years? But It's all good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really good. good. So well, that's when I'm I started. glad it was good enough for you to keep listening. Yeah, so. no, it was really good. Yeah, thank It you. wasn't one of the ones that I didn't want to put out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So that's it. Cool. All right. Uh, uh, Pete from Redondo Beach. I feel even worse now because my, my, my first podcast was eight months ago. Nine months ago. It's all good. <laughs> I, I had heard of him, and then uh, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk started listening to him, and then I think you were on his show. Yeah, uh -huh. and, and I was just like, let me. And then I started listening to you. Cool. So, awesome. Just eight months, nine months. Awesome. Uh, in, Instagram is uh, the Travel Wins. Travel Wins. Wins. W i n s. Okay. That's my Instagram. It's my, my podcast page. Cool. All right. We'll finish with, uh, I usually do three truths, but we're going to finish with four truths. You each get one truth uh, to share with the world. So I don't know if you guys remember the question, but it's if this was your last day and you only had one thing to share with the world, one lesson that you would share and you couldn't, have, no one would have access to anything else you put out there because you have to take it with you. Uh, what would be your truth or your lesson? I'll start with 
you, a lesson you'd share with the world if this was your last day on Earth? Don't worry what other people think. Mm, okay. This is how I end my broadcasts. Live a life of significance and leave your legendary legacy. Mm, cool. All right. I think I would go with there's no such thing as a failure as long as you keep trying. It only ends really when you stop trying. The rest is just experiences and there are good ones and bad ones. Mm, cool. All right. Uh, Treat others how you want to be treated. Mm. Awesome. And there you have it, my friends. I am so excited about where you're heading in your life. I'm excited about the opportunities that lie in front of you, the dreams that you have yet to start to manifest, and the steps you're about to be taking through the rest of this year and all of next year to start creating the life of your dreams. You deserve to have the life of your dreams, but it's not going to just be thrown at you. People aren't just going to give it to you unless you're willing to take the steps to make it happen. This is what this life is all about, manifesting what we want, taking the idea, the thought, the principle that we have in our mind and bringing it into reality. You are all the creators of your own life. You can make anything happen that you are meant to make happen. You just have to be willing to overcome the challenges, the fears, the insecurities, take the actionable steps and start manifesting what you want day after day, day after day. It's a process. There is a path to achieving this. You just need to make sure you're willing to take the path on and take those steps down the scary path. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. LewisHouse.com slash 734. Thank you again to the Inspiring Life winners for coming on and uh, just being cool people. We had a great time again at dinner. Just really enjoyed their company and, and everything that they're up to. Exciting to see their growth and all the results they're going to be getting in their life this year as well. And as our good friend Harvey Firestone said at the beginning, the growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. If you want to become a better leader in your life, you have to start growing. You have to start developing new skills, mastering things, overcoming fears. You can't lead other people if you're still afraid of something yourself. You'll always be limited by your ability to lead based on how many fears and insecurities you have. So now is the time to take on the fear challenge and start tackling that thing you're afraid of every single day until the fear goes away. As always, guys, I'm so blessed and grateful to be on this journey with you. We've got some huge interviews coming up very soon. If this is your first time here, please subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We are on Pandora that just released their new uh, beta platform, with podcasts. So make sure to find us anywhere. Google Play, all the places podcasts are at. Please subscribe, leave us a review, share this with a friend, and spread the message of greatness with someone in your life who could use it. I love you so very much. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.
while no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra-sharp cheddar cheese. (sighs) We know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook Cheddar. Extraordinary Dairy. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium bang and a Lufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range in a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.